0: Through collaboration, which I believe is a key word uh, to all of this, uh, we need to, all together, um, promote this new green economy and work in favor of that. Uh, It doesn't mean that we need to sacrifice other objectives. We just need to find new ways of thinking about new problems.
1: Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our construction innovation and digital transformation adventure with a mission to model the future for this great industry. My guest today is Alfredo Carrado, venture capital advisor at CMEX Ventures. Alfredo is a trained architect, BIM enthusiast and college professor who scouts for breakthrough technologies and solutions in the decarbonization space for the construction industry. As a venture capital advisor, he oversees investment activities and strategic partnerships in CMX ventures, putting a special focus on startups that effectively tackle the carbon footprint challenge of the built sector. Welcome to the show, Alfredo.
0: Thank you very much, Todd. Very happy to be here today.
1: Yeah, looking forward to the, the conversation. So how did you uh, get your start in the, the construction industry? What brought you into this space?
0: Well, as you mentioned, I'm an architect by training, so from my early student days, I really liked uh, to see how things were um, built and how things moved from ideas to reality. So that's what brought me to, first of all, architecture and construction. And then later on, um, I decided to join Senex Ventures, who had really high ambitions on decarbonization, which is also one of my interests today
1: yeah so what sparked the the interest in really taking a a deeper dive into the the decarbonization space
0: well i mean at the end of the day what we want to do is leave a better world than that that we um received from our parents and our uh predecessors so with that in mind and considering that i am an architect by training what i want to build is a better future for my um children and my grandchildren, and that was at the end of the day what uh, moved the needle in that direction and and brought me to this new uh, ecosystem around uh, sustainability and how to make our world better uh, than it is today.
1: Yeah. So uh, with your background in architecture, what kind of advantage or uh, vantage point do you think that that gives you looking at the sustainability issue in the built environment?
0: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, um, architects know very little about many things. <laughs> so I think that's <laughs> one of the, um, I would say advantages of, 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 being an architect in the current world. I mean, there are many topics uh, and and everything is very specific and, and, um, so on. However, being an architect, uh, helps you have this broader picture and, and being able to uh, identify um, long-term strategies uh, instead of short or mid-term um, objectives, I think it's something that helps at the end of the day to to wrap up all these um, endeavors and, and efforts that are uh, indeed quite quite big and quite significant, not only for the build sector, but for, for the entire humanity, I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so maybe let's back up and kind of define some some terms, what's a a circular economy and then how does contact help to promote that?
0: Well, very good question, Todd, I mean, to start with, I would say that that circular economy starts um, uh, with the conception uh, that uh, what used to be a a sub product or waste in the past, um, now is understood as a co product or, or something with the potential with be to be um, um, uh, a value-added product and um, um, by means of transforming it somehow um, and, and bringing it to the market again so um, anything that can be turned into such value-added product coming from what used to be waste or residue um, can be understood as, as being part of this circular economy ecosystem that you were asking and in 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 this space i mean um elements such as new building materials that come out of uh industrial waste or uh, new synthetic fuels that come out from co2 or new chemicals that will help us um, reduce our reliance on on water um are just some examples of circular economy that will help us not only Create new products out uh, that that can be brought to the market, but also reduce the carbon footprint and and the stress that we put on on materials that otherwise would be um, uh, subject to to running out.
1: Yeah. So is it about really taking the the material waste that is obviously prevalent in in construction and then reusing and repurposing those Absolutely. materials for something else?
0: Yes. I mean, otherwise, those materials would be landfill uh, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, And and giving that second chance to those materials is definitely what circular economy is all about.
1: Nice. What do you see as the maybe the biggest opportunity for the industry right now?
0: Well, I mean, connected to that previous idea, I think decarbonization as a whole is the biggest opportunity, but also the biggest challenge. Right now, um, for the construction industry as a whole, uh, decarbonization is where the biggest gap I, I would say is, um, and, and where more improvements can be made uh, to be able to to reach. Um, I mean, the same KPIs as other industries are are handling. Um, of course, there are other fields where where improvements can be made. I mean, we have productivity, digitization, supply chain etc. However, I, I would say that decarbonization is is both a challenge and the opportunity of our lifetime. Um, and in that sense, where more improvements can be made uh, for sure in, in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. So when you think of the kind of the, the overarching sustainability umbrella, how does decarbonization fit in and, and what should the, the role be? in that sustainability environment?
0: Well, I mean, the value chain is very long and many actors do take place in that value chain. However, um, at the end of the day, what we need to do is close the loop on carbon uh, somehow. Mm-hmm. And, and for that, sometimes it is enough with one only stakeholder, and sometimes you need more, right? Uh, to, to be more specific and speaking, maybe about uh, our company um, um Scope and and, and objectives. Um, CEMEX, as a building material supplier, um, belongs to one specific um, niche in 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 the value chain, where the materials that we produce emit CO2 just because of the chemical reaction of them, and we need additional partnerships or additional uh, works to be done to be able to capture that CO2 and give that second chance to the CO2 that has been emitted, right? So in that sense, uh, being able to partner with companies that uh, can capture the CO2 or can transform that CO2 into new value add products is something that is needed across the entire value chain to be able to, at the end of the day, and as I was mentioning uh, previously, uh, close the loop on carbon and avoid Emissions to the atmosphere, which ultimately will make our uh, planet warm more than 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 what we should do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do you go about sharing the the benefits of all, all this uh, with with someone that you know has a, a narrow specialty? Uh, that's the first part, and then the second part: how do we start uh, communicating it out to our our colleagues and leadership to to gain more buy-in?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to put it uh, so simple, but uh, um, what I would say is that, first of all, the value chain is very complex. Uh, That's a fact. And and there are many actors involved in this uh, ecosystem. So there are some emitters, heavy emitters, uh, and there are some entities uh, that can obviously provide the technological advances that, Uh, are needed to be able to capture that CO2 and do something about it. And then there's also uh, the funding gap uh, covered by public and private entities, uh, and Mm -hmm. that will be able to uh, make this process faster or slower depending on how much money or capital is poured into uh, this initiative, right? So at the end of the day, you have all those bits and pieces that need to come together at some point, Obviously, uh, capital is the the hardest uh, uh, glue uh, to make things uh, stick together and work well, Uh, but I think that through um, uh, the different um, advances that have uh, occurred lately, both on the technological front but also on the financial side of things, I think that we are facing a period where all these advancements will, will take place and will speed up uh, so that companies, and not only companies, but also governments and and uh, countries as a whole, uh, will be able to hit the milestone that they've set for uh, 2025, 2030 and beyond. Um, speaking about decarbonization and how we want to reduce our carbon footprint, uh, becoming even carbon neutral or net zero by um, yeah uh, twenty fifty or beyond.
1: What do you think is the the catalyst for really helping to to speed up the momentum behind this effort?
0: Well, probably short answer would be capital, but capital is not the only thing um, at the end of the day. It's all about connecting the dots uh, and, and getting the right people involved in the right discussions. Um, mm-hmm. As mentioned before, you have the technology, you have the incumbents, you have um, the, the the funding uh, piece uh, that, that at the end of the day is going to speed up the process, but you need all of those pieces to, to work uh, in a cohesive way um, so that everything is lined up when it needs to be lined up and everything happens when it needs to happen. Um, right now, uh, there are many uh, inefficiencies around the process where uh, not everybody is on the same page and where things happen in somehow a disordered manner, but uh, through collaboration, which I believe is a key word uh, to all of this, we need to all together um, promote this new green economy and work in favor of that. Uh, it doesn't mean that we need to sacrifice other objectives uh, because um, profitability is sometimes um, a word that that tries to prevail on top of uh, other objectives but I think that they are not incompatible uh, one with the other. we just need to find new ways of thinking about new problems. Uh, mm. And and I would say it's a matter of at some point thinking out of the box and and promoting uh, new solutions for new problems.
1: Yeah. So one of the big trends that's coming into construction is, is around big data and being able to to leverage just so much information and, and data points from all these different softwares that are, are coming in. How is the the, the move on on big data really making an impact on the sustainability effort as well
0: absolutely I mean first of all um and this may sound obvious but we cannot improve what we cannot measure right so that's that's mm-hmm. the entry point for big data and and the likes um but uh, with that in mind I think that uh, the progress that big data is doing or or needs to do to be able to be useful at the end of the day is um bringing that data or converting that data into real information that can be interpreted Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. through time we would convert that information to to real knowledge and when we get to that knowledge eh, we would be able to make the right decisions around the same or different problems that we are facing and only through time we would maybe even uh, bring that uh, um, knowledge to wisdom uh, which is the ultimate level that we want to reach. And and through the combination of big data plus information plus knowledge, we uh, would be able to excel in this um, new form of of um, evaluating not only problems that we have, but also improving the current performance of, of how we do things.
1: Yeah. So to zero in a, a bit more, I, I totally agree that you have to know what you're measuring. Uh, so, what would be kind of benchmarks that people should take into consideration when thinking about the green construction economy uh, what what's the goal what should they be measuring to uh, and looking for that that big data to come along and and give them the the information and the insights needed?
0: Well, I mean, the ultimate goal would be to to measure the carbon footprint. Right, that's the like the the big word behind everything. However, to be able to analyze that, sometimes you need to look into um, KPIs that are not so tangible at first sight. And um, mm-hmm. um, some of them, uh, meaning like the more obvious ones, can be related to the carbon footprint of of certain materials that are being employed in the building, uh, what techniques are being used for. Um, sunlight, uh, or for location of the building, how, um, are you handling HVAC stuff around, uh, how are you treating water? Um, so on and so forth. Right. So, so those are the different like variables that I would say, um, are included in the design of a building. However, the lifetime of a building does not end, uh, when the building is built. Uh, but rather when you oh. operate it for fifty plus years, right? So all what's right. related to the operation and maintenance of a building has a huge impact on the ultimate carbon footprint of, of such building, and and there are many ways to measure the impact of of what you do with that building um, that are that are relevant to be able to reach to that final um, KPI that you're looking for, right? So it, it's a bit more complex than 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 one would expect. But there are like two main um, milestones, one during the design and the construction of the building and one when you operate it. Uh, both are equally relevant. Uh, the, the slight difference is that when you're designing and building the, the asset, you have um, um, a more uh, impactful way of making changes to that design or to that construction um while as when you try to make changes to a building that's already built first of all it will cost you much and the impact that you will be able to make on such building would be much less
1: bridging the gap is powered by gray Tech group as a global bim and modeling expert GreatTech Tech is dedicated to empowering construction and manufacturing professionals to digitize and industrialize their processes to improve performance and build a sustainable tomorrow. With more than 30 years in the industry, they know how to be your partner in a world where change is the new normal and always strive to enable their customers to gain an increased competitive advantage to model the future. Visit graytech-group.com for more information. Sure. Yeah. Are, are there certain uh, kind of leading in measurements that you can see along the way uh, to make course adjustments in, in the design? And then again, in the, the operation side of it, instead of um, like I, I'm trying to, to think through how do you, as you're going along the the project, how do you see, oh, maybe we're we're a little off course here. We need to kind of course correct and, and get back on to to really hit our, our goals and objectives. And doing that, those small course corrections along the way instead of looking back and going, oh, we need to make a really big course correction because we didn't have eyes on it. I don't really have a, a formulated question for that, but <laughs> does that make sense? Are, are there, yeah. there are ways that you can kind of make small adjustments along the way?
0: You can, I'm... Um, um... And for such a purpose, uh, I mean, one of the biggest advancements in, in, in the design phase of, of built assets has been building information uh, modeling or, or BIM.
1: Uh,
0: um, sure. BIM allows you to uh, make hundreds, if not thousands of designs uh, in, in a very short amount of time, of time and be able to um, analyze the performance of such designs in very early stages of the project. Right. so through um, parametrics and, and algorithms and so on you can evaluate how um, sunlight will impact the building in summertime and wintertime how much would you need to supplement the the excess or lack of uh, heat associated to sunlight with HVAC or or, or um, other means um, what can you say about uh, I don't know uh, water temperature coming through uh, if you can go geothermal or you cannot uh, so these decisions that are taken earlier uh, in, in the decision making process um, have a huge impact on the building later on downstream and they're done uh, in a very so to say cheap way because you can do mm-hmm. many designs when, when there aren't uh, still uh, many decisions being made that affect the budget of the project right so that's that's one thing that that you can do very early on. And as you, the project progresses, as I was commenting before, the the possibility to impact on the performance of the project is reduced because uh, the project is being more and more uh, complete um, as you progress and the cost also of, of doing those uh, adjustments, as you were uh, mentioning, Todd, are also um, less or less impactful, right? So um, it's a matter of, I would say, taking the right decisions at the same time, uh, which translates to the earlier, the better.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. which brings us back to the the collaboration piece that if you get those people in the room on the early side, the right people in the room at the right time, uh, you're able to, to get a lot more accomplished as well.
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: Excuse me, one minute. We have a uh, my kids are crashing. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry.
0: No worries.
1: I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> they haven't crashed my uh, recording in in a while. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I, I saw them. I have French doors, uh, and so I, I saw them them uh, looking through. <laughs> if I could just keep focused, then <laughs> usually they, they don't come in unless I like glance over, but
0: right. I time. have a one year old. So yeah, nice, <laughs> nice.
1: Okay. Nice. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so Alfredo, how do we really efficiently uh, capture, store, and then reuse the, the carbon that is, is happening on job sites?
0: Mm-hmm. Great question. I mean, and, and now what uh, we need to be aware of is that we're jumping from from the digital side of things to the physical side of things again, um, uh-huh. going physical, um, obviously, many things uh, that we have around us emit CO2, um, job sites do emit CO2 from, from many sources uh, and buildings do emit uh, at the end of the day. CO2. So what what do we do or what can we do about it? Um, There are many things, um, but ultimately what we need to do is capture that CO2 and avoid it uh, being released to the atmosphere because that will warm our planet. And that's something that we don't want. So um, I would go to to the origin of of the problem, which is uh, those industries where um, carbon is emitted most intensively. Um, There are, like many industries, we have the oil and gas, we have the steel, we have the power industry, um, we have cement, um, and and all of those industries add up to a large chunk of of what's being emitted uh, today to the atmosphere. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and going back to your question, what can we do about it? Um, First of all, uh, in, in those facilities where carbon is being emitted, first thing we need to do is capture it, right? But that does not solve the problem. Um, as we were commenting before, we need to connect the dots, and we need to get the right people uh, at the right time in this in this conversation. So once uh, CO2 is being captured from from those uh, sources, we need to find a way to close the loop on it. Um, and and there are many ways we can either utilize it, as we were also uh, discussing when we were talking about circular economy, or we can uh, also store it underground, uh, where it has been proved that CO2 can stay trapped for uh, thousands of years, if not millions, um, and that would be another alternative, right? So we need to capture CO2, bottom line, uh, transport it somewhere where it can be either transformed to value-added products or else um, stored underground. Um, that would be the the ways that we know to date uh, that are uh, useful to close the loop on carbon and avoid it being emitted uh, to the atmosphere.
1: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So as the, the construction project is, is happening, how, how do you go about really practically capturing the, the carbon? What does that process look like?
0: So, I mean, in, first of all, concrete as a material, and, and this is something that maybe not everybody knows, has the ability to capture CO2 over time. Uh, by, by being exposed to uh, the atmosphere, it can capture and trap CO2 permanently, mm. but it takes a long time. Right. So we need yeah. uh, other measures that are able to do that same thing in a shorter amount of time. Um, and that is why we need to go upstream to those um, building materials and how they are produced so that when those materials are brought to site, they're already decarbonized or as decarbonized as possible. Um mm-hmm. that's, that's the um, uh, biggest chunk of, of CO2 emissions that can be avoided. However, there are others uh, in terms of how you uh, actually bring things to site through a sustainable value, uh, sorry, supply chain, uh, there are also different uh, construction methods that can be more or less uh, impactful on, on on CO2 footprint, and then how you operate a building at the end of the day uh, over a 50-year time period um, can also help reduce uh, carbon footprint and and bring a building to either net zero, carbon neutral, and the likes. Uh, there are several certifications right now in the market that are able to um, um, award um, prices or, or um, credits to to um, certain buildings that have been proved to be either carbon neutral, net zero, or with a certain um, footprint that is sustainable enough to be able to to uh, cons- be considered like best in class in, in several aspects.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. So is it kind of going back up more to the, the manufacturing of the materials, capturing it there instead of, you know, once it gets to the job site, it's, it's almost too late at that point.
0: Yeah. Is well, I, I mean, are... sort of. Uh, it's, it's. Um, I would say that that the problem gets too atomized when when you are speaking of individual buildings. While as if you uh-huh. go to the big cement factory where where cement is being produced for I don't know several hundred buildings, you're tackling the problem yeah. upstream, which is more efficient, right? So uh, yeah. the most effective way to tackle this, uh, as discussed, is is going as upstream as possible, um, and with that. Obviously, there are things that you need to do further downstream and that you can do. But uh, um, as we were discussing uh, when when speaking about um, the design uh, phase of, of a construction, uh, the the actual manufacturing of the building materials that are going to be put on site later on, um, it, it works better when you tackle the problem upstream than when you happen to tackle it downstream. Uh, um, further down the road
1: yeah no I think that makes total sense in in my head coming into this conversation I was thinking of it as you know one-off job uh, sites and and like wow that's going to be really complicated and really slow but uh, going back up to the you know going upstream and tackling the problem more collectively and holistically as an industry that makes total sense it's much more efficient for sure uh, because you're impacting so many more job sites by by doing it that way and it's easier to control as well And we talk a lot about prefab and and modular construction around here and it's it's really kind of taking the same principle and just moving that onto the sustainability side of things
0: for sure yeah and those two examples that you were giving are are yes spot on for instance uh modularized construction or industrialized construction is bringing um everything around the job site to a controlled environment at the end of the day, mm-hmm. where you can measure things and where you can improve them uh, much more efficiently than downstream and a, at a job site where, where things everybody knows, uh, it, it's, it's a bit messy, <laughs> right. let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> Gets complicated fast there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do you see as the, the next step in the industrialization of sustainability?
0: Well, I mean, I think that the whole value chain around um, industrialized construction um, needs, to, needs to be connected again. Um, I think it is a matter of collaboration. The value chain um, is completely different to that of uh, traditional construction. The stakeholders have different uh, roles and, and conversation is completely different, right? Uh, we were speaking about design phase as being important in, in mm-hmm. like current asset construction. Uh, in industrialized construction, it, it's even more important. Uh, so what uh, today is um, recommended uh, tomorrow with industrialized construction is mandatory. We need to take decisions way before the actual asset is built, because once the design is ready, design, uh, sorry, execution is gonna be automated or, or highly automated uh, and and there are no errors uh, linked to that unless you make those errors during the design phase. So you need to be much more conscious about the design of the building, about the design of the asset, about how that is gonna be built, how that is gonna be brought to site, uh, when is it gonna be brought to site, what's the order in like of, of how the asset is built because those mm-hmm. decisions at the end of the day make the difference and 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 as mentioned before what what used to be recommended uh, now needs to be mandatory because if not you're gonna fail uh, when you try to put together two uh bearing walls that are made by a computer that has no error and, and that error can only be attributed to uh, a human mistake right so you need to be really conscious of that and and try to make all those uh, changes adjustments or whatever beforehand uh, if you don't want to risk uh, or, be, or put at risk the execution of of built assets
1: yeah yeah makes sense so what does innovation mean to you then
0: well i mean as a broad word you mean or
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> well i mean well, so we I, I i would say um Innovation as a whole, or I'm, I mean, at least connected to the built environment is, is um, um, the, I mean, the, the, the place where um, all the people that are um, connected or that should be connected in, in this huge value chain um, should bring all their best efforts and all their best intentions to be able to promote uh, um, a sector that is lagging uh, and lacking of of um, productivity that is lacking of sustainable kpis compared to other sectors and then at the end of the day and, and as we were discussing also previously has the biggest gap uh, to, to to close right so mm-hmm. i think that innovation in the built environment is is something that can add a lot of value to both uh, private companies, but also the 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 public sector uh, as a whole and the infrastructure of a city. Uh, however, there is a lot to be done because we're just starting. We're just taking our first baby steps, and there's still a, a big gap to to close. Um, in that sense, I think that the game plan is there. I think that there are many players uh, trying to make a difference, and and uh, invest not only capital but also um, way of doing things to to improve the sector. Uh, mm-hmm. However, this isn't a problem that cannot, that can be solved by, by only one uh, stakeholder. Uh, we need to be coordinated when we deliver these kind of projects, these kind of initiatives um, and, and that again uh, would summarize uh, everything that we have been discussing today uh, without proper coordination, we won't be able to move as fast as we want to move uh, and reach the targets that we have for the next uh, few years in terms of mm-hmm. sustainability.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, how do people find out more information on, on what you're doing and, and connect with you?
0: Uh, well, uh, I am part of Semex Ventures, which is the open innovation platform and, and corporate venture arm uh, of Semex Ventures. So, um, happy to to connect with anybody who's interested in the same topics that I am. Um, You can reach me at alfredo.carrato at semexventures.com or through our website, semexventures.com anytime. Happy to discuss uh, more uh, with more people about these interesting topics. Um, And I'm very glad that we're using this bridging the gap um, window uh, to be able to uh, amplify this message and, and reach out to more people.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. So final question for you, Alfredo. If I could give you all power and you could snap your fingers and innovate one aspect of the construction industry, what would you choose to, to innovate?
0: Well, um, <laughs> it's a very good question, but um, um, obviously target is to be carbon neutral, net zero or equivalent, uh, the sooner the better. So um, if we could just uh, be less uh, self-centered, less, um, how to put it, um, less introvert and and, and be able to open up books, uh, connect with more stakeholders, and be able to speed up this decarbonization process that we have just started, uh, it would mm-hmm. be great. Uh, I think that that's the real uh, key to, to not only decarbonization, but to everything in, in, in business and industry, uh, right? So I would say that to summarize, uh, if we could speed up this decarbonization roadmap through real connections between uh, private and public entities, uh, technology suppliers, uh big and bold partnerships um etc it would be great
1: mm-hmm. that's an awesome answer uh-huh. love that yeah that's a, it's a great way to, to end the, the conversation as well too uh, alfredo thanks so much for for taking the time and, and coming on to the show and and talking about this important topic uh, it was really really fascinating thanks my, so much
0: my pleasure thought uh yeah it was great
1: And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. Isn't it funny how almost every conversation usually circles back to the need for better collaboration? No matter what facet we are looking at, the need to have the right conversations at the right time with the right people is the central ingredient to success. Sustainability is no different as Alfredo referenced. Second take. As an industry, we must come together to create specific targets around decarbonization and sustainability efforts. What are we really trying to accomplish both in the abstract and in the detail? Only when we have that flushed out, can we harness the power of big data to measure the results and make progress. And final take, Alfredo made an excellent point on the value of tackling the problem further upstream in the material manufacturing phase in order to solve the problem. Across the AEC spectrum, the industrialization we are going through offers real-world solutions to challenges. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, Grey Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.